Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. Uh, this week we are going to be talking about the Best Picture winner of 1951, Vincent Minnelli's An American in Paris. And here to talk with me is my friend, Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? Hey. All right. <laughs> I wasn't, how are you doing? For that. I'm doing okay. Um, we're recording this right after our... Uh, Take two of uh, our greatest show on earth mini-sode. Uh, Hopefully so, the last. Hey, here's hoping, you know. Uh, <laughs> get, listeners, get praying. Although I guess by the time you've heard this, uh, it's already gone up. That's um, true. But yeah, and I don't know when uh, listeners are going to hear this. It might... They might not hear this till November. I don't might go in a time know. capsule. I might not hear it for a hundred years. Sure, yeah. Uh, future you know, future, uh, inhabitants of earth, uh, will unearth, they will find this digital time capsule. And of all the podcasts in the world <laughs> that exist, they find the more than one lesson episode about an American in Paris. Yeah. And what they will conclude is, eh, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. An American in Paris. I'd never seen it before until watching it for this, uh, mini sode. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. <laughs> I hate to put it that way. Um, it's not a film that is that is beloved um, mm-hmm. by even by uh, Hollywood musical fans. Um, it's not hated either. But compared to films like West Side Story or The Sound of Music or even stuff like Oklahoma or Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and certainly Singing in the Rain, mm-hmm. an American in Paris is seen as just like yeah, one best picture, but. It, it's not that remarkably interesting. It does have, I think it's probably most notable for an extended ballet sequence at the end that I actually think is way more effective than the Hmm. ballet sequence in, uh, singing in the rain. That's interesting because this ballet sequence is fascinating because it essentially recaps uh, what's happened so what far? has happened in the film which makes me wonder if uh well not if i'm sure it is that uh uh was an american in paris uh an influence on la la land because they have a thing there at the end where they don't necessarily recap everything that has happened but they have this extended sequence of like everything that could have happened yeah um that wouldn't surprise me at all i, I mean yeah that it's definitely la la land definitely takes a lot of influence from the old Hollywood musicals and the, that sort of extended ballet sequence is a, it was a thing, not, not that much. Um, but I feel like this was maybe one of the first ones where it was a, where it was a big part of it. I mean, the the only two musicals is very limited, so I'm not sure. And mine is a little bit too. And the the only two that immediately come to mind are this one and singing in the rain. And this was the first one. So I don't know. Gene, I know Gene Kelly was, he was big on those. Like that was almost like his pet thing was like, get these ballet things in there. And, um, so it's hard to know how much he had, how much influence he had to make that sort of thing happen. Was that part of the initial idea of the project? I would say he had tremendous influence over every musical he was a part of. I mean, probably, but also he's, I believe he's like, essentially listed as co-director of singing in the rain. Is he really mo- mostly because he's the choreographer, but that film is so much choreography oh, okay. that I think he is maybe not at the time, but since then I think he's listed as co-director. I mean, he kind of have to be for some of those things. Yeah. If he's the one who came up with these ballet sequences, because yeah. 
much of what they're done of the way that of the fact of them uh, requires some sort of directorial yeah uh, influence so i don't yeah um and the story is fine i mean it's very it's very slight um mm-hmm. it features gene kelly as the titular american in paris um and he is a painter and then he is also friends with a uh a pianist and he finds himself getting involved in the in the lives of two different women like there's there's sort of a love square <laughs> because there's this woman that is uh kind of smitten with him and she is sort of a patron of the arts and so she winds up giving him a great deal of money and uh, but then he is also in love with this, uh, this other girl who's also kind of in love with this, uh, this popular French singer and nobody really knows about anything else. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, when I say the story is slight, I don't mean that there isn't much story. There's a lot of story and a lot of character interaction. It's just that it feels very, the only way I can describe it, it feels very French. Um, <laughs> you know, I was in a, play in high school called hotel paradiso and it was just it's all like people sneaking off to have affairs with uh <laughs> with other people and which is odd for a high school play but um but it just felt very french <laughs> um and so uh so the film is fun it's a it's a fun light jaunty movie yeah. um and i really get the impression that everybody involved enjoyed making it yeah, and I, I think one of the things that's appealing about, or certainly would have been appealing at the time, is this uh, picture of uh, light, carefree France at the time. Yeah. Um, I think that was... <laughs> I don't know how much that was actually true, but that was kind of the yeah. uh, American idea of gay Perry. Sure. And uh, I think people were excited by that. It was something different. It was something kind of fun and... And I believe it was shot on location. Um, in Paris? Yeah. Just based on like some of those sequences, like as they're, as they're walking in the streets or dancing in the streets, like that, well, it certainly doesn't look like a back lot. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like any American city. So It could be because they, they got a lot of uh, good press for doing that with On the Town, which I think is a few years before this. Don't know. I'm pretty sure. Um and that was that was like a big deal with that movie. Mm-hmm. So like they shot on location in New York and in Paris and and these places. Yeah. So um, uh, I think that's yeah yeah yeah. So that that could be they had done that before and had success mm-hmm. with that and decided they were going to do the same thing again. I mean, it definitely is effective here. I've never been to Paris, um, and I would. Uh, of course it's hard to shoot it poorly um if you're if you have any desire to uh make it look good at all you don't have to work that hard um and so as the characters and the characters are also talking about how much they love it so they're contextualizing it that way but also just visually it looks like a place i would i would enjoy being yeah um just the architecture and you know the i know that not all of paris has cobblestone streets but (laughs) you know i mean even even zurich in switzerland like it was just so beautiful and just there's just something about like that old world 
feel and just the idea of like these buildings push oddly close together but Mm -hmm. each building is different from the others yeah it's it really is something that i find uh, quite magical Hmm. um and something that for the most part is not is not something i associate with like american architecture except maybe the like the northeast Mm. which still had kind of a european influence yeah and i'd say maybe new orleans um Hmm. but uh but yeah, I remember, I realize I'm talking about Switzerland, not France. I apologize. But uh, <laughs> I do remember I, we were in um, Lucerne and there's a modern part to the city and then there's the you know old town. Mm-hmm. And the modern part is where we got off uh, the train. We've got our bags and we're just like, oh, <laughs> this isn't that exciting. And so I was looking at our map that took a, was going to take us to our hotel. And then we there's almost like a, like a wall of buildings. And so you go through this alleyway and you come out the other side and there's this river running through this, the old part of the city. Mm. And like, I still remember like how I felt, I I felt like I had just, like I had gone through like the wardrobe into (laughs) Narnia because like I came out the other side of this very modern place. And and I felt like I'd been like transported to this, to a different time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was just so foreign to me in so many ways. And so when I look at something like an American in Paris, um, and the feeling that, that, uh, that, uh, Gene Kelly's character describes of just being there, Mm -hmm. uh, is something that I feel like I, I understand. And so, yeah. And I feel like the film kind of accurately captures that. So that's, that's definitely a positive. Yeah. And so, I don't mean I don't mean to say that I'm I'm talking myself into liking this movie. I do like the movie. It is a perfectly fine film, and it has a lot of Gershwin in there. I think it's I think it's solely Gershwin. Could be. Um, I believe that's I believe that's true. But uh, and that's great music. So you've got a beautiful location, a wonderful choreographer slash dancer, mm-hmm. um, and a very watchable on-screen presence. Gene Kelly has a very interesting on-screen yeah. persona. Uh, there, there's, I feel like there's never been anyone quite like him. Like there's a lot of, even like a Fred Astaire right. has sort of like this debonair quality to him. Like somehow Gene yeah. Kelly feels like a working class guy, yeah. but he's so graceful and uh, he seems both approachable and, uh, you know, very, very graceful, I guess I already said, but, and very sarcastic. Yeah. Like there is a, a world weariness to him that mm-hmm. I felt like, I mean, he didn't do a lot of, he didn't do that much just straight acting. Um, I remember he was in, uh, inherit the wind playing the, oh, that's right. uh, playing the, uh, oh, I forget, Hornbeck, I believe is the name of the character, mm. the very cynical, sarcastic reporter who just sees himself as better than everybody else. <laughs> um, but uh, but I felt like, I don't know if Gene Kelly was ever in like a noir or something like that, but I think he could have done well yeah. as sort of a wisecracking detective, but I do think that there is a lightness to him as well. Yeah, definitely. It's funny, there's a, uh, I think it's a Jacques Demy film, that I can't think of. Oh, no, I think it's the the young girls of Rochefort. That he's in. Yes, yeah, young girls of Rochefort. He's in that, and I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know he was in when I was watching it. And then he just shows up, and you're yeah. like, "What? Gene Kelly's in this?" And he's great in it. Like, of co- of, yeah, of course he is. He's, yeah. yeah. I think I think you're right. There, he he had such a unique on screen presence because 
there was a working class quality to him, but also an, a, an obvious intelligence mm-hmm. and a, a, a cynicism that, that implied that he just kind of kept himself at a distance from things and was very content to comment on them. Yeah. And uh, nothing and, about that person seems like he'd be an amazing dancer. Uh, yes. And Andy, but he is. It's, it's one of those things. I, I think this way about like Humphrey Bogart hmm. in that, his on his on screen persona was very similar to the 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 actual man, but like he so seemed like a guy that's just disaffected and distant and cynical and quiet. I have a hard time imagining that Humphrey Bogart would ever act. <laughs> I could see him being oh, like yeah. act. What do you? You know, I could see him degra- like denigrating <laughs> the profession uh, and maybe like even calling into question like the sexuality of any man that would want to act. <laughs> um, that's who I and I feel I feel like Harrison Ford is a similar way. Like hmm. these are actors I cannot imagine like sitting down and memorizing lines, <laughs> much less even contemplating motivations. But they did, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's it's fascinating in that regard. And so like, yeah. Gene Kelly, his persona, nothing about it seems like he, like he'd be like, all right, what we need is a ballet sequence. Like <laughs> I can't imagine it. Um, and that speaks to just, and yet somehow it all works out. Mm-hmm. Um, it just speaks to who he was as a performer and how in, in immensely watchable he was. Yeah. Um, and he really like any film he's in does tend to take on hit the tone of Gene Kelly. Yeah. Um, cause I, so I saw, any any film that he's the lead in, like Young Girls of Rochefort, did not feel like him. Right. Um, but his sequence certainly did. Uh, and then for for movie night once, we watched um, It's Always Fair Weather, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is actually a, a surprisingly dark film emotionally. Yeah. Um, but his character is always, you know, quick-witted, um, which, which makes everything seem more acidic in a way. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I was trying so, to look at more movies that he's been in because I don't honestly know that many of them. Um, was he? I assume he was in one of the uh, disaster movies of the seventies, right? <laughs> he had to have been. Um, I'm not. I'm not seeing any, but there okay. was something <laughs> similarly in, in a way that everybody did it at some point. He was on the Love Boat for two episodes. Oh, sure, sure. Um, I'm sure they didn't do two episodes for just anybody. Uh, that's true. <laughs> uh, he, oh, he was in Brigadoon. Okay. Which I don't I'm think I've seen. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to go back and see some of these films that I'm not aware with. On the town was earlier. That was 49. Um, oh, he's in a version of the three Musketeers in 48. That's hmm. interesting. I could see that. Like, yeah. and that, that speaks to sort of the choreography as well. Yeah. Um, there's a certain, uh, fancy quality to, to that type of action. Movie, mm-hmm. Um, that feels like he would do quite well. Um, so I also want to look into Vincent Minnelli a bit. We did talk about him, uh, because he won best director for, for Gigi. Gigi yeah. He did not win best director for this. Um, but yeah, uh, Vincent Minnelli who, I know as, among other things, the father of Liza Minnelli mm-hmm. and husband of Judy Garland. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, he's, 
I associate him primarily with, not unlike Bob Fosse, I associate him with musicals or just, you know, stagey things. But I mean, he also, yes, he did Brigadoon. Um, he did uh, the, oh, but you know what? He did, the next year he would direct The Bad and the Beautiful, hmm. which is that Hollywood, uh, oh, okay. uh, that film about Hollywood. It's not a musical. Um, he directed Father of the Bride in 1950. Hmm. Um, so he, yeah, so. Not unlike John Ford, who we think... I remember uh, there's that story that John Ford would ever introduce himself as, Hi, I'm John Ford, I make westerns. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't only make westerns, but <laughs> it's clear that's how he thought of himself. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if Vincent Minnelli, uh, Vincent Minnelli thought of himself as a guy who made musicals. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. And even though there was tr- he had tremendous success in, in all genres. There's a, a, several that he did with uh, Gene Kelly also. Um, this other one called the pirate i don't know anything about but uh but yeah he seems like they did several together he did a film uh that i saw in uh in school this past year called uh, meet me in st louis oh yeah have you seen it that's judy garland Garland. yeah it's great i haven't seen it it is great uh i know the one line from that song now, which line is that? That's meet me at St. Louis. Louis, meet me at the fair. Fair enough. Are they addressing a person? <laughs> fair enough. Mm. Um, are they addressing a person named Louis in that? Because that would be funny, but I don't think it is. Not that I recall. <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like I would remember because I would be deeply put off by it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and he so he was a very he was a very prolific uh, director, and then he actually made Lust for Life, which I never saw with Kirk Douglas. Oh as yeah, I Van have. Go, I believe right. Uh, yeah, I have that movie, and I've never watched it. And apparently, uh, Kirk Douglas said it was one of his favorite performances. Yeah, I've heard uh, great things about it. And then, and I mean, he so uh, Vince Minnelli's last film was nineteen seventy six, um, and yeah, I, he's one of these directors that I feel like was so vital at the time, but his and many of his movies have been remembered mm-hmm. but he has not not unlike and I'll, i've i've made this comparison before like robert wise yeah robert wise directed tons of like really memorable movies but my but it's entirely possible he won best director twice but uh it's entirely possible that people don't remember his movies i'd say william wyler is kind of like that as well in most a lot of people don't know the name like yeah. your man on the street doesn't know the name even though ben-hur everybody knows ben-hur yeah and I believe he also did. Well, yeah, they know Ben Hur. They don't know Best Years of Our Lives. Right. But, um, but yeah. So it's just uh, it's odd that Vince Minnelli is just sort of lost to time, but his movies are are remembered. Michael Curtiz is also very much like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, but I but what's interesting is that so often um, the directors that are kind of forgotten are ones that are sort of journeymen. They're not really thought of as auteurs. But I'd say Vince Minnelli probably is. Uh, based on Probably. the stuff that I've seen, it's yeah. very light. It's very airy. It, it's often during the daytime, mm-hmm. um, and whether whether they be musicals, because I've I've seen Father of the Bride with Spencer Tracy. Um, so whether they be musicals or just these light comedies, like he brought a certain tone to his films that uh, that was fairly unmistakable. Um, so I did want to. Uh, I did want to to move on. So American in Paris, uh, we'll kind of wrap up in a moment. But uh, American in Paris is a film that that in talking about it here, I think I, I appreciate it 
more than I did when I first watched it. It's not a film that I would consider vital viewing, Mm -hmm. but I'd say it's for completionists, both of best picture and probably musicals and Gene Kelly. Yeah. You know, so I feel like between those three, that's probably enough to even recommend it to, uh, to a casual movie fan, Mm -hmm. maybe not casual to a movie fan. Yeah. Um, so looking at other best picture nominees, you've got decision before dawn, a place in the sun, quo vadis and a streetcar named desire. I've not seen any of them. Uh, sorry. I've seen a streetcar named desire. I've seen seen any of the other three. I've seen streetcar and a place in the sun. Um, and then I always wanted to see quo vadis because that, that, uh, has, um, Peter Ustinov as, uh, Nero. Hmm. Um, and it's apparently a crazy performance. He was nominated for it and I'm a big Peter Ustinov fan. So, um, uh, but I don't know how readily for a long time. It wasn't readily available. It might actually be now, but, um, but yeah, place in the sun. Who made that? Is that George Stevens? I think it might be. I know it's got Montgomery Clift is in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. That sounds like George Stevens. It really does. Um, <laughs> even if it isn't, it should have been. Um, maybe he ghost directed it. Um, uh, George Stevens, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is A Place in the Sun good? I thought it was good. Yeah. Okay. Is it better than Streetcar Named Desire? <sighs> That's a hard, yeah, it's a hard comparison to make. I feel like because streetcar named desire has some of the inherent staginess of it. Right. It doesn't feel as vibrant maybe as place in the sun does. Um, and I mean, you have these, you've got Montgomery, Montgomery Clift and, uh, and, uh, Brando. So two smoldering, yeah. right. <laughs> but very big, different yeah. people the big at the method same time. Guys at the time, like they, they along with James Dean were kind of like, heralded like the the new era in acting yeah um depending on the performance sometimes i like montgomery clift more i mean i don't know it's hard to say it's hard to say it is hmm that's interesting who do i like between you mean of the three or between him and brando between him and brando yeah. Uh, really, even of the three, I don't, I don't know. That, that'd be hard to say, I mean, too. You, you don't have a whole lot of a sample size for James Dean. And I've never seen East of Eden, so... Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. I saw yeah. Giant, and I saw Rebel Without a Cause. And he's both... He's, he's good at both. He's great, but he's kind of a small part of Giant, too. Like, he's yeah. not... The poster would suggest that he's <laughs> the main event, but... Oh, certainly, yes. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of iconic, an iconic image there, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, gosh, that's that's interesting. I do think that despite Montgomery Clift and Marlon Brando both being seen as like these attractive young men, uh, they have very different qualities to them. Like there's a certain machismo that comes with uh, Marlon Brando. Well, yeah, I, where Montgomery Clift seems more like the tortured emo type. <laughs> um, I know that's probably not right, but yeah. uh, but that's how I see him. Um, especially you know when I look at something like uh, streetcar named desire and on the waterfront versus, you know, uh, from here to eternity, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I see very different. It's interesting how like the modern form of acting, you can definitely see these guys subscribing to the same theories, but it manifests itself very differently. I think. Yeah. Um, 
both of them are very in the moment. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I, and I need to see a place in the sun after watching, uh, from here to eternity, I was looking up Montgomery cliff and just feeling like, you know, many people saw him as the future of acting mm-hmm. and that like, if he'd lasted longer, honestly, mm-hmm. and had not, uh, he was in a car accident that like caused that he was in constant pain. And so just started taking a lot of pills. Hard to say if he was abusing them because he was in constant pain. Yeah. Uh, and it really like screwed up his life and he died fairly young. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'd be interesting to see what would have happened if he'd been around. But, yeah. uh, and I do think Brando had something of a, not late career surge, but you know, between uh, last tango in Paris, Godfather and apocalypse now, and maybe even Superman, like the seventies were very kind to him. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't think of Brando's like being around in the sixties. I think of him as the fifties and the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's funny that for somebody who rose to fame as coming out of this method school and just being very in the moment and very kind of real, the stuff that we know him from in the seventies is all kind of over the top and like larger than life stuff. Yeah. Like, Kurtz doesn't feel like he belongs in the real world, you know? That's true. Kurtz is more of an idea, but I, I'm, I'm fine with that. But it's yeah. weird. They're, the they're character's over the top, but his performance is not over the top. Like, it's very, like, I guess he's like, as he's pouring water, like, visually he's over the top. But as far as line delivery, he's very quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, Brando was a fascinating performer. <laughs> Definitely, uh, yeah. In many ways. But uh, also looking here at a picture of Montgomery Clift, he looks just like Dave Franco. Have you ever thought of that? Boy, yeah. Dave Franco should right? play him in a movie. He looks just like him. Um, did you watch that? Sorry, I know that we're, we're, we're <laughs> literally recording. Did you watch that trailer for Disaster Artist? I, I did, and I'm very excited about that film. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> um, so. Uh, but yeah, um, Streetcar Named Desire definitely, uh, if you grew up doing theater as, as I did, then you eventually watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely made a, a bigger impact on culture uh, than Place in the Sun or An American in Paris. Um, but what I will say is looking at the other 1951 releases, this is a... This is a strong year. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. You've got the Billy Wilder film Ace in the Hole, which was not I don't know how it was how it was regarded at the time, but since then it's been seen as a classic. Yeah, and I think it's great. So, I'd say uh, you've got the African Queen, a film that I don't love. Um, I'm apparently alone in that, <laughs> and maybe I need to watch it again. But I've watched it twice. I didn't love it either time. Uh, that's not because of the performers; they're they're both great. But uh, it just does not uh, doesn't hit me. I'm a big fan of the Disney Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. You've got the Browning version, which I adore. Mm-hmm. The Day the Earth Stood Still, Death of a Salesman. I think this is the one starring Frederick March, which is hard to find. I haven't seen is, that one. I love Frederick March, and him playing Willie Loman seems like a wonderful thing to me. Hmm. Um, Lavender Hill Mob, The Man in the White Suit, Strangers on a Train, Showboat. Like this was a big, this was a big year for, and a lot of these movies. Uh, I mean, obviously, Alice in Wonderland and, uh, you know, Strangers on a Train and stuff like that have kind of echoed through through uh, culture. But then there are movies that have been not so much recently discovered, but in the last probably 20 or 30 years, like The Lavender Hill Mob has been mm-hmm. seen as like this, this lesser known comedy classic. Um, and then Ace in the Hole has been sort of rediscovered and... 
and then I guess the day the earth stood still has always been well regarded in the sci-fi community. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was I'm wondering if it was one of the early sci-fi films that was like taken seriously a little bit. I could see it partially because I mean, yes, it has this robot that shoots lasers and stuff, but for the most part, it's kind of a drama. Yeah, it is a lot. And there's a, there's a message to it that at the time, at least would have been, uh, would have felt timely and important. Yes. Robert Um, Wise. Yeah. Robert Wise. There's a lot of big, uh, big name directors working this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I also will point out uh, a film that is that is not best picture material, but I believe we saw it for movie night. But I don't remember if you were there, which is The Prowler. I have seen The Prowler. Yeah, great. <laughs> that is a great, very seedy, yeah, uh, film noir. That's, like even looking, within the genre, it's yeah. pretty pretty dark. If you're looking for some good pulp from yeah from uh, that time, that's that's the one. That's perfect. Um, but yeah, Van Heflin. So, that's I couldn't think of the guy's Van name. Heflin, yeah. yes. Oh, whatever happened to the days of naming kids Van? Van. Uh, but yeah, so looking at these other uh, these other notable releases, um, I do I do love a lot of these movies. But aside from maybe like African Queen, uh, they don't strike me as particularly best picture type of movies. Maybe Showboat. Um, yeah. Maybe Death of a Salesman. I do think Frederick March was nominated for for actor, but mm-hmm. you know it's a classic play. Um, and I do think that you know this is the kind of thing that we've said before that if this were later, I feel like Ace in the Hole probably would have gotten a certain degree of of appreciation. I from think the so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as it is, uh, a lot of great genre stuff here. Um, and I do, lo- and I I cannot recommend the Browning version highly enough. I mm-hmm. love it. Um, I think I borrowed it from you, and just did not know how much I was going to love it. And I really do. Michael yeah. Redgrave is uh, marvelous. Um, so I think we will uh, go ahead and leave it there. So, I, so I guess looking at this, I guess I'm fine. In a way, I'm fine with an American in Paris winning Best Picture because, aside from maybe Streetcar Named Desire, Place in the Sun, and the African Queen, it is like those are the only real best picture in the early fifties type of movies. Yeah. And so, um, so of those American in Paris has some spectacle to it, uh, and it's enjoyable and I did, I didn't look it up, but I'm sure it made some money. Um, yeah. so yeah, so I'm fine with it winning. And if somebody said, Hey, I was thinking of watching an American in Paris. What do you think? I think I'd say, absolutely go for it. Um, I don't absolutely love it, but you could do a lot worse than watching uh, an American in Paris. And I believe it has recently become a stage show. Oh, really? Like in the last couple of years. Hmm. Um, And I think it it was just in Los Angeles. Uh, Really? I don't know if it still is, but uh, but yeah, I heard it was fine. I heard it actually wasn't that interesting. Hmm. Um, which I could definitely see. I can. I can. Uh, I could. I could understand a movie musical not translating to stage. I certainly don't think uh, "Singing in the Rain" would translate because it's the combination of like this beautiful choreography, but you need the camera work as well. Yeah. And "American in Paris" it won picture, writing, cinematography, art direction, costume design, and music. Um, and yeah, I do remember like the the camera just having this nice swooping quality and being able to follow everything that's happening. And 
especially in those ballet sequences yeah. you know absolutely and those ballet sequences were they on stage uh i'm sure they'd be really amazing but yeah. it's just they they really are different uh different uh mediums but yeah. anyway so uh okay we'll go ahead and, and leave it there um once again i i don't know uh when this will be posting so i have no idea what might be happening on the website so i guess just go to more than one and check it out for yourself uh in the meantime uh you can find me at more lessons on twitter you can find josh at the josh long at the josh long and you can email me tyler more than one lesson.com or josh josh more than one lesson.com you can like us on facebook and i think that's it so thank you everybody for listening josh thanks for being here you're welcome and we'll get you next time bye